When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's everybody. We are back. This is the HTML All Things Podcast. This episode is titled Web Development is a Mess. So what we're going to be t- discussing in this episode is it's not all doom and gloom like you might think. We're going to be talking about just the current web development landscape and how there's lots of bits and bobs and frameworks and this and that. And it's 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 a thing that we've talked about across multiple episodes just because obviously you touch on a bunch of these little bits and bobs as you talk about web development. But also... I think we've had an episode like this in the past, similarly, like a long time ago, and it's time to up, update that. It's time to be like, okay, what is the the 2024, what is the mess? What's the hot mess that is web development? We're going to be pointing out the positives, of course, in, in this, because, you know, as we've gone from years past to now, things have improved, hopefully. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on that. And then also we're going to be talking about what to focus on for learning or, you know, what to watch in the news, maybe, things like that. So... If this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon, leave a review or rating on your podcast app, join us in our Discord server, share this with your friends. And if you would like to learn web development by using courses, you can use Scrimba's interactive media player code editor, where you can stop the video, edit the code that the instructor is working on to play with it, to break it, to copy it into your own development environment to try it out and see what the heck the instructor is talking about live right there. They have free courses. And if you'd like to subscribe to one of their paid subscriptions, you can do so with a discount with our unique link. Please go check that out. That'll be in the show description as well as the show notes on HTML, all the things.com. Now, Mike, you wrote up this episode. What is the hot mess that is web development? Yeah, I don't know. Like it, it's been such a weird year. For web development with all the react server component stuff with htmx we talked about that in a, in a recent episode um just with it, it's the vibe <laughs> I, I hate i, I kind of hate that word but also like it is very accurate if you look at all the development communities there's a lot of like negativity and there's a lot of um a lot of push and a lot of a lot of people kind of being down on web development and and there are there is some legitimacy here, and I want to go through this. This episode is going to go through some of the claim, some of the issues that people have with web development as a whole, and some of the things you'll see as you enter web development if you're learning right now. Um, I will go through all like the bad stuff, so this is going to be kind of like a you know kind of a downer on web development uh, initially, but I will at the end give you some positives of why I think it's you know still the right the right path and still. Uh, why I'm still a web developer, right? Like I, and I don't plan on changing to something else, uh, even with some of the stuff that we'll talk about. Now I do actually have a, a quick interjection and, and I guess a general question is people are down on web development for the reasons that we're about to discuss, but I would imagine, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, that a little bit, if not like a fair bit of just the general doom and gloom is because the tech industry is kind of exploding right now. We have a lot of layoffs and tech is kind of like, 
tech is kind of crazy. Like in the last couple of years, <clears throat> people have started realizing what crunch time is. And especially in the gaming industry, because obviously games are developed, not web developed, but developed. Um, there's been sort of like a public outcry against crunch and, you know, working constantly and stuff like this. This is coupled with the fact that there's a bunch of layoffs. And then it's like, well, you know, oh, like people realizing like, oh, we're just a number. I'm not immune, even if I'm, you know, a very like a very like highly contributing person or whatever. Do you think that that sort of that's a bit of doom and gloom? Do you think that that's kind of like the elephant in the room with a lot of these conversations? We're going to be talking about technical stuff, you know, to be clear. But do you think that people you know, are kind of down on it. And then when someone brings up a technical thing, it's like, well, web development's dumb, you know, <laughs> something like that. So I, I don't know if that plays directly into these discussions. Um, I, I and, and the other question I have, and I don't have an answer to is like, there are a lot of tech industry layoffs, but how many of those layoffs are developers or be web developers in general? I don't know. I haven't That's a fair seen- point. Yeah, I, I haven't seen a ton of web developers affected by layoffs. I see them like, you know, here and there, people posting, hey, I'm looking for an opportunity. But it's not like that's not my Twitter feed is what I'm trying to say. Like not everyone on my Twitter feed is all of a sudden looking for a job. And from my circle, like people are still getting job offers and stuff like that in the web development space. So in terms of like opportunities, they're still out there for web developers uh, and web development is still a very like thriving career. Whether like, yes, you're still a number. There is that little bit of realization now that tech isn't this like holy grail of jobs where you're immune to all the other issues that other job industries have, right? Like layoffs are happening in tech, just like they happen in every other job market at some point and layoffs and like grind is happening in tech, just like it was happening in every other job market at some point. So I think maybe like the special quality of the tech industry is going away and it's becoming more, more of a normal industry in terms of just capitalistic grindhouse nightmare, I guess. It's maturing, you could say. It's maturing into the shit show that is capitalism in terms of like, hey, you're you're a factory worker in a factory, right? Like that's every job kind of meticulously gets to that point. And instead of churning um, out items, you're churning out code. Exactly. You're turning out code and you're replaceable and uh, there is no really logic to a lot of these layoffs. It's just like, hey, let's cut, you know, 18 random departments because whatever. I like the number 18. Like a lot of, like a lot of it is just that right. Like there, sometimes it's not even economical. It's just so, a manager making a decision and they're sticking to that decision and you have to live with that. Like it affects people in a negative way. So that's the reality of any industry and that's the reality of tech but i in in terms of this episode specifically like as in like what's happening with web development why it's a mess i don't know if the layoffs are exactly reflected on that so to jump in like the first thing that i see a lot nowadays and like i saw many many of twitter influencers and youtube influencers talking about this recently is like do we even need javascript frameworks like is why are javascript frameworks so popular like why is everyone reaching for them like is there a point like, well, you know, like there are now dozens, if not hundreds of frameworks that all do the same thing. They make it easier to provide interactive interactivity to your website and like data rendering on the front end. They make it easy to make these really cool interactive websites, right? Because of this, it seems that like every project, so regardless of a static site to, you know, something that maybe qualifies as an interactive website, every project a developer will reach for a framework because now they're it's, it's ingrained in that developer's toolbox. 
We talked about this a lot before where like people will reach for the tool that they're most familiar with. Initially in web development, that was something like JavaScript or jQuery, right? With HTML and CSS and maybe some SCSS. Like that was the standard developer toolbox for a long time. And then there's some outliers like Angular was starting to become a thing. And like that was like, okay, you have a complex site. You reach for Angular, but Angular is not easy. Like Angular is hard. So you, you, you really have to reach for that when you need it, right? Like you're not going to reach for that to build a static website. No one's going to reach for Angular to build a static website. But what's happening now is because of these frameworks that are actually kind of easy to use and the fact that you're just in great, like, I mean, we've said it many times on the podcast. So like the, some of this is on us, like learn Java, learn React to get a job. That's a legitimate thing that everyone says. And so like when you're, when you're learning, you're going to obviously reach for React because that's the thing that, that's going to give you the best chance at a job. And so when you're applying your skills in any of the, in any capacity, whether it's at a job or just working for a client or making a website for yourself, what are you going to reach for? probably the thing that you've been learning for the past six months, which is React. You're not going to reach for JavaScript, CSS, because you don't use that. Like you learned it like six months ago or eight months ago or whatever to get to get some understanding for for React. But realistically, you're going to use React. Like whether you have a single page site that has a couple of blocks of information on it, or you have this massive monolithic website that has, you know, database connections and interactive live views of stocks and tickers and stuff like that. Like regardless of what you're going to be doing, for some reason, everyone is pushing towards using a framework, right? And the reality is, is that this does really overcomplicate the web. Like there isn't for probably like a majority of the websites on the web, there isn't a good enough reason why you're choosing a overcom like a, a very robust framework over a traditional web development technique like a little bit of PHP on the server, right? Or uh, maybe like a little Node.js script that will, you know, fetch some data and return HTML and CSS HTML. Like there is really a very low bar there for what you need. If you have a website that's just static content, even if that static content is dynamic in the sense that you're pulling it from a server somewhere. If it doesn't change in real time or if it doesn't change on user interaction on a consistent basis, you don't need <laughs> a, a really, really crazy interactive framework. You don't need it. Like you, it just it, there is no use for it. You can use something like HTMX. That's why HTMX has become so popular. And that's why this like argument and this conversation is starting to happen is because a lot of people are realizing like, hey, I can just, you know, like it, it, what, what HTMX does is essentially instead of you don't even have to write JavaScript to fetch data. You just put it in your HTML element and query your server through HTML, quote unquote, and uh, you can get data back from your server that doesn't rely on any JavaScript. And you're just like quickly just changing up your uh, your HTML on the page. And so you you query for HTML, you receive HTML. That's it. Like it's super simple. And realistically, again, unless you have constantly changing data that needs to be interactively placed on your page on a consistent basis. And you have users like tapping on your page to do stuff that triggers like a million different things. You don't need a framework. That's, that's it's a little bit of a sad reality for people that love frameworks like me personally. But can you argue it? No. <laughs> this echoes this echoes that episode we had, uh, I guess, a few weeks ago now as of you listening this, uh, meaning the listener listening to this. Uh, and that, that was our million JS episode where I, I asked. Um, 
you know, are we at a point where the platform, meaning just like basic J- JavaScript, vanilla JavaScript and, you know, CSS and HTML is capable of doing stuff? And are we sort of, and I'm doing this from memory, so, you know, the question might not be exactly what I said, but it's like there's an alarm bell or there's a, a red flag in my head of, hey, we had, you know, the platform, like I just mentioned, then we have React, and then we also built MillionJS on top. And are we starting to build this leaning tower that's sort of swaying in the wind of like, well, the platform wasn't good enough, but we didn't fix the platform. We built on top of it. The pla- the the built on top part wasn't good enough, so we built on top of it. And it, in 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 my mind, I see this like apartment building where they build like a like a like a crappy basement, and the, it's not an apartment building yet. It's just a basement, and they go, "This basement isn't good enough. Let's build a top floor." They build a top floor like this top floor isn't good enough. Let's build another one. And the developers are just on the newest floor all the time, thinking this is great, but we could do better. Let's build another floor. Not realizing that, first of all, they're building super high on top of a bunch of stuff that, you know, is a variable amount of garbage, whether it's inconvenient or whether it's actually garbage or broken or uh, an update is pending for the platform. And, you know, we're not, it's not patient enough or, or whatever it is, you know, is this sort of this leaning, is this sort of this like leaning tower? And so th- this, this conversation reminds me of that is because things are becoming overcomplicated. And yes, I understand that, you know, if you build a a site with a million and one, you know, plugins and NPM packages and whatever, and you're using React and you're using MillionJS, you're doing all this stuff, and then it works great. Fantastic. But think about all the moving parts that you need to manage and maintain and check upon when you need to update. Oh, now the security problem. I'm going to go back and fix this and this and that, this and that. And this is a, a, a thing that I bring up to clients all the time is I push all the time for simplicity. And some people disagree with that. And that's just a different way to do business is the way I do it is if someone comes to me and they say, oh, you know, we need uh, like, well, just recently someone came to us and said, we need a ticket making or a ticket selling platform. And I asked, okay, how often are you selling tickets? What are these events for? And they said, well, sometimes once a year. So I'm like, okay, so we're talking about once a year, maybe. Don't use, like, don't get a whole system installed in your website. Use like a pre-existing thing like a Shopify or find a ticket sales partner because you're going to be investing in the updates and the maintenance of your ticket system the entire time it's quote unquote offline because it's it's entangled in your in your website. It's the same thing with WordPress where a lot of WordPress devs will push for a lack of plugins. They don't want a lot of plugins because it's it adds a lot of complexity. The same thing can be said with NPM packages, with custom code. It adds a lot of complexity. Even something like a Webflow site that has custom code in it, if Webflow pushes an update that makes that custom code no longer work, it's something else to maintain. It's something else to look at. It's something else that can potentially go wrong. Now, I'm not saying we should every single website should be a static site. But what I am saying is that if the platform is capable of doing it, of which the platform is because everything sort of compiles down to or at the end of the day boils down to the platform for the most part, I mean, especially in the front end anyway, you know, maybe we should be using the, 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 the platform more. I'm not saying to never use a framework. I understand that there's benefits of frameworks, easier to easier to write code in teams. It's easier to read each other's code everyone's like experienced with it, you know, yada, yada, like the list goes on, but I'm just concerned in the long term, And I'm a little bit of a paranoid person, I guess. So like maybe I'm, you know, sounding alarm bells too frequently, or maybe I'm 
sounding an alarm bell that doesn't make any sense. But to me, it just seems like websites, like Mike said, are great are gaining complexity. But it's a, just another way of saying they're bloating up, just like how a WordPress site can can attract and have too many plugins installed. That's my that that's that's sort of my concern with the platform is that I mean, Mike, you you and I have experienced it where um, we just wanted to do something simple like interpret an RSS feed, which isn't the hardest thing in the world. And we were I forget exactly what site it, what project we we're doing. This is a number of years ago now, but there was like a stack, I'm going to call it a tech stack of just like three or four different plugins just to read the RSS feed and make it simple for you. And I'm like, man, if one of these steps changes, if one of these layers change, like shifts their direction, if it stops being maintained, if it anything, this is going to come crashing down. Mike and I just ended up writing our own thing to, to do it. And like, yeah, like that's a little bit of custom code that Mike and I have to rely on and we have to still maintain that. Which proves that, like, I'm not against complexities if when needed, but I was against adding three layers, like three three bits of technology from God knows who you know wrote it, and then be like, oh well, hopefully this continues to work, and if it doesn't, like, it. I I come from the side of things where I try to be down to earth with clients that don't have a lot of money. These aren't clients that I, I don't work with clients that have millions of dollars, or at least not millions of dollars in web budget. So it's a different scenario. When when I say, hey, this could break in two years, they go, well, I don't I, I, I don't want to or I cannot pay for this again. And so oftentimes doing things in this in the simplest way, cutting, you know, cutting things out or handing them to payment partners makes the most sense. I also have another angle. I wrote it. I wrote it down, actually, as Mike was talking, uh, because I didn't want to forget it. And this is something that I'm experiencing right now is because the web is complex. I'm getting a lot of older school people question how much I know in phone calls, because what, what I'm seeing is, is all, you know, they, I mean, just like anyone else here, they'll have frameworks in their head. They'll have, in my case, it's like WordPress, it's Webflow, it's different service providers, it's different plugins, it's custom code I've written. It's, you know, reported bugs in things. So I've like done a workaround. It's all these things jumbled up in my head, plus SEO, because small businesses want SEO kind of bundled into everything, which makes sense. But the point of the matter is, is that I'm getting asked a lot of questions that I can't answer. And it's stuff that I've literally never seen before. There are thousands of questions that I can answer, been in the industry for a long time. And I can absolutely look up what you're, what you're asking and interpret what's being written in the spec or in the forum posts, as it may be in the support forum posts. And I can then give you an answer. But I'm finding that a lot of older school people are used to things being less complex. They're not used to say, you know, technical things. They're used to things that are more like physical. And so when they talk to an expert, they expect that expert to have, say, 90% of the answers. Well, I can tell you with 100% certainty that I do not have 90% of the answers. There's just no way. Because it's just, there's too many little nuances. Just this week, one of my clients was hit by some weird scam attack thing. And I went and looked it up and it's a brand new thing. Google just acknowledged it. And I'm not going to get into all the details of it, but basically it's a brand, it, that is a brand new thing that I had to know. And this particular like client was like, you know, kind of found it interesting that I didn't have an answer for them. And it's like, I get it because you're coming to an expert and there's a lot of things where I'll be like, I've never seen that before. We're going to have to check. I've seen that before. We're going to have to check. But it's because there's like a thousand features of everything. Even learning just a website builder 
has a lot of complexities with it. And in the website builder changes, you have to learn those changes. And so there's just a lot of complexity already. And so, you know, cutting down on complexity wherever possible just makes a lot of sense. And I, I, I would, I mean, I don't see this ever happening. I would love to return to an era in which, you know, when you speak to an expert, they have like say 90%. And I understand there's some industries that will never have never been that way to, to be clear, but you know, coming, going to an expert in a lot of areas, like they'll have at least something to say, right. They'll have at least something in tech. It's like, there's so many different random things that come and go. And they're just little random things that I can't even think of off the top other than like that scam where it's like, I, I, I don't know what that is. Like, we're going to have to double check on that. You know, we're going to have to take a look at that. We're going to have to take a look at that. And it makes, you know, me feel like a fool. And you might be thinking, oh, Matt, Matt's bad at his job. Fair enough. Like, whatever. But like, I've seen a million and one. I don't know what the actual number is, but I've seen a lot of issues and things, you know, kind of come across my desk, come across my email. And I've solved a lot of random problems. And like, I've hacked things together for people as needed, jerry rigged them, fixed them, repaired them, done a bunch of stuff. And as Mike knows, like every day, almost there's something new that you see in web development where you're like, well, I've never seen that before. Or then Google does an update to SEO. Now the SEO game is different. And it's just something else to know. And when these guys like and, and admittedly, like when these people call you and they go, can you be an SEO expert or like uh, you're the SEO expert? How do I do this? If I don't have those answers right away, it's like, well, man, I'm also learning 18 other things, you know, and it, like cutting down on complexity would really, really help with with that angle with like, I guess my question is like, is this a red flag for the industry? that you can't be an expert in everything or it's virtually impossible to be an expert in everything unless you constantly, constantly check into everything. And if you constantly check into everything React, I will almost guarantee that you're not checking into everything's felt and you're not doing the same thing with WordPress and whatever. You're 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 in the React world. Like, what do you think about that, Mike? Like, do you what do you think about that sort of like problem? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, ha- I have a, sec- a section here that we can talk about right now, which is like there's just too much to learn. Like there's, there is the, the amount, the range of applications and the range of everything that you need to know to be a quote unquote web developer at this point in time and be successfully employed or successful, have, have a, have a a client, like a client base, uh, is extremely wide, extremely horizontal, right? Like, so like HTML, CSS, and JavaScript is just one bucket, like one tiny little bucket at this point. It used to be the main foundation, but now it's like, if you know HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, great that that's not going to get you anywhere. Like, what can you do with that? Like, you can't do anything. Now you need to know frameworks and libraries, all different kinds, right? Like whether it be frameworks like Vue and JS, Vue and Svelte and React or all of them, or maybe a smaller thing like Tailwind, which is more agnostic. Like, you need to know a lot in that space. Then you need to know like server management because like how are you going to do anything without putting something live on the, on uh in some sort of hosting platform, right? So you need to know how to manage a server, how to make sure that you have enough resources on that server, how to manage the costs. Like if you're, God forbid, need to go to AWS for some reason, like just just being able to read through the dashboard of AWS, you need to be a PhD to understand where <laughs> your where your expenses are going. Like it's, a, it's an insane amount of information being thrown at you just in that one little cloud service, right? And then, like, let's say, like, you, you need to know containerization. Like, we had we had uh, Francisco on. He was talking about Docker. Like, that's a whole other thing. It's almost a whole other language that you have to know just to be able to, like, maintain a, a, an ecosystem for your, like, you know, local environment and your containered environment. Like, 
your, your production environment and then communicating between the two of them. And then you need to know a lot of like bash scripting because of that. Insane. And then you need to know like serverless functions, Lambda functions, right? Like that's required everywhere now. I know a couple of my friends working in the banking industry, they're have Lambda functions all over the place. They have like friends in the, in the sports industry, Lambda functions. Like everyone's using these serverless functions. You have to know that. And you have like testing libraries, databases, authentication. Like you need to know at least a little bit of everything. You need to understand these concepts to be like a developer that is easily hireable in the industry or at least easy enough to talk to and then be able to like communicate enough to get the job like you might at your job you're probably not going to be touching all of these things at once realistically like a lot of times you will be like focused on one thing at a time and you'll have some time with that thing and then you'll jump to like another thing and then maybe you'll need to learn a little bit of this just to get this running but the reality is is that you at least need to know how all this stuff works together which is like an impossibly complex concept that requires you to learn the connections and the the intricacies of all of these things and that what uh, what that really does is like what what you're saying, Matt. You become extremely shallow in the things that you want to be deep in, and it's hard for you to then figure out complex issues in any of what I just said. So as soon as a, a problem comes up, you it, it becomes extremely difficult to solve because you're not deep enough in any of these things. Like you're not as a web developer, it's very difficult to become deep in you know, containerization, because you don't need it that much. You need it. You need to touch on it. But when shit hits the fan, you might need it. <laughs> like, and then you need to be like an expert container, like an expert Docker person all of a sudden. Or like even JavaScript, like getting to deep in JavaScript requires a lot of foundational knowledge, requires a lot of effort, requires a lot of time. How can you give that time when now you're like, you have to learn React. And yeah, that has JavaScript in it. But React is itself something that you need to really learn deeply. But as you're learning it deeply, you're like, oh, wait, I have to connect to this database. So now I have to jump into PlanetScale or like Prisma or an ORM and like figure out how to connect to this database. Now you have to learn backend and then you're you're learning APIs all of a sudden when you were learning JavaScript a second ago. And you're like, what? Where did I just what just happened? Like, am I a front end developer? Am I a back end developer? Am I like, no, you're a web developer. Just fucking get get everything going. And like, by the way, like everything. all this has to run on a server 24 seven. Yeah, you can't have any downtime. No downtime. There's no downtime in this industry. If someone doesn't hit your website at 3 a.m. in Brazil, if someone like if there's an issue there, like that's it. Yeah, you're fired. I mean, it's not that cutthroat. Obviously, like every industry has like that like 99% thing. And 99%, you know, if you go 365 days, you have a few days a year that you could technically be down and still fill in that 99% uptime. But the reality is, is that if a, if a client or your, your boss sees that your website is down and it's something to do with one of these elements in your stack and you don't know, that's on you. Mm -hmm. And and it, it starts becoming like there was a there was a discussion in our discord, actually, where there was a discussion. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing from memory, but it was sort of like how some people in, in the discord are, are hesitant to even use pre-made solutions like a plugin for WordPress because it's difficult or impossible to correct errors with them. And if they're, if they're using, say, I'm just going to make this up like an image uploading plugin and there's something wrong with that plugin UI or otherwise, the client is not going to call the plugin person. They're going to call you and then you have to try to find an alternative. Is that going to mess up the previous content? Is that going to, what's going to happen? This happened actually with Webflow where we have a client that uses Webflow heavily, uses a lot of uh, embeds and uh, Webflow, um, I think they still do. 
but not sure of it at the time they were using Embedly and Embedly went down. And so then they were calling me and I'm like, sorry, Embedly's down. There's literally nothing I can do because I don't control, you know, the editor. Like you're in this like sort of walled garden that is Webflow. They're on it. They're working on it. And it was like over a day and they and like this person was like absolutely like freaking out, was not happy. And it's just like it. I, I, I hesitate to talk a lot about this because it just sounds like I'm complaining or like whining about it in a way. But there is a point and there it, there is a tipping point and it is a question of like, are we there? Like, think about the amount of work that like I do, Mike, and you do, let's say. I don't know a lot of the stuff you do and you don't know a lot of the stuff I do. <laughs> and we're both working full time. Do you know what I mean? And we, like, we have split responsibility here. There is that a red flag for an industry? I kind of think it's becoming that that way now. And I, I have mentioned this before. Is this just elitist thing? Is this a thing where it's like, suck it up, buttercup, just figure it out. If you don't rise to the occasion, there's somebody else waiting to take your spot. You know, maybe that's where we're at with uh, this industry. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know if that's true. Um, I've, you know, I've certainly heard it from people. Uh, I've certainly had, I've had uh, not job interviews, but I've been at a job fair where the person literally says, uh, we're going to throw you in. We know you have zero experience. Um, This was uh, during like a student, uh, like a student co-op job fair. We know you have no experience. We're going to throw you in. We're going to give you the same workload as the full-timers. If you can't pull your weight and you better not bother the full-timers, if you can't pull your weight, uh, you will be uh, fired. I will not sign the sheet that you did your hours and you will not be paid. So what are you going to do? And like, and they're like, we only want, you know, effectively, they only want the hardcore of the hardest core, you know, cooperative students, co-op students, as we call them. And it's like, is this like, like, where's the line? And we discussed this in in another recent episode, but where's the line between too much and a toxic workplace or an industry in jeopardy? You know, where's the meeting point here? What's what's the maybe the Venn diagram is what I'm asking. You know, where's the Venn diagram of this? Because I'm not saying that web developers should be not challenged. That's not what I'm saying. But our but there is there is a tipping point. And this is why companies fail. This is why projects fall through. Are we at a tipping point of sorts? Are we as an industry? I'm talking. Are we in trouble? I'll, I'll address like my. The positivity, like I'll, I'll I'll address the why I don't think that is a little bit later. But overall, like the industry is in a kind of a good place. I, I even though, even though we're all talking about like the negatives, technically we're we can do a lot more with a lot less. It's just the pro the the biggest problem is is that because of the way that web development is set up to attract. Like first of all, it's very low barrier to entry. So like to to get into web development, you could you know know HTML and CSS and be a web developer technically, right? And so like that that's not that barrier isn't as high as like hey I need to learn this entire compiler like Java compiler JVM to build this application that connects to like whatever microservice <clears throat> doesn't matter like that that barrier to entry is much higher than learning HTML and CSS and then learning a little bit of JavaScript and calling yourself a web developer, right? Like that. So the, the entry point into web development is very low. And because of that, the tools that are built for web development, and we're going to talk about this right now, the abstraction layers have become very, very like easy to use. Okay. And therefore, again, back to the point of like too much to learn, all these things that, that I mentioned, you can learn and use in an abstracted way and be successful, but you're not going to learn deep 
com- like deep information, but like you're not going to go in and like be able to do a whole database uh, rewrite using just pure MySQL queries as someone that's learning shallow, you know, database queries using an ORM, right? Like you're not going to be able to create an entire uh, server farm, connect it all together, get your DB sharding and stuff like that, just because you're using a cloud service manager like Vercel or Netlify. So as soon as something gets out of the scope of one of these abstraction layers, that's when we're in trouble. That's where the industry is in trouble, for sure. So as soon as it becomes difficult and you're, you ha- your web development team is made up of web developers that are like tradition- like new web developers that just got in, you know, through a boot camp or something that have never touched the abstract, the, the, un- the lower layers of all of these things that are piled on top of each other, like that le- leaning tower of Pisa that you mentioned, Matt, that building, the top level floor, that's where they're at. They're just at the top level floor, but they can't see down. Like they can't, they don't, they don't know what's on the next layer. They just know that there is a next layer and like all they can, they can look at the map, like the, the map of the building and be like, oh, that next layer can do uh, like rendering. Right. And I can, all I need to do is press number two and then it'll render, but I don't know what the heck is going on in there. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. know. There might be people running around screaming and rendering in there, but I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know because I've never been in there. And that's, where the abstraction times a thousand is happening in web development. And that's in, in that sense, we're a little bit in trouble. Like the, the, the regular web developer is a little bit in trouble because again, let me explain like abstraction. Like I think is it, the, the building a metaphor is really good. Like as an explainer, but like abstraction is essentially a comp like a complicated process is packaged into a library and the complicated process is written by some talented programmer that wrote, wrote it out. But what they do is they export out like functions that do this complicated stuff. The functions themselves are easy to use usually. Like you just pass in a a value and you get a value back. Like if it's a sort function, you're sorting an array. You pass in an array and ask it to sort by alphabetically and you get the sorted array back, right? That's an abstracted layer. The reality is, is that in the background, like on the lower level, you have an actual sort function working and it's checking every single one of your, your things and it's doing, you know, N or O to the N or whatever, whatever the the actual array sorting method is, however, whatever the speed is, it's doing that in the background. But for you, you don't, you don't care. Like you're just putting in a sort dot sort and you're sorting an array. Right. And, and to some degree that that's perfectly fine. Like you don't, not every developer, especially in the web needs to be able to sort something perfectly like to the perfect speed of whatever sort function they need. Like when you're sorting a hundred elements, no matter how fast your sort function is, you're going to have a fast enough sort. Like it's just not, not a problem. If you're sorting 10 billion elements, it becomes a problem, but most web developers aren't in that situation. The biggest problem comes was when you're like building these abstractions upon abstractions upon abstractions, right? So you're, you're pulling in a library that's doing uh, some sort of calculation or some sort of like, maybe it, it's injecting some JavaScript into your code to highlight certain words on the page or something. There's some random library that's making it easier for you to highlight certain words. You're injecting that library. You're passing in a word to the one of the abstracted layers that what you want to highlight. And then it's highlighting those words for you on a page. Well, what happens in, in, in that scenario if that word that you're highlighting, it all of a sudden starts highlighting in in between words like like the the middle the middle like you know three letters that you've passed in like you are 
A-R-E, it highlights like them in the middle of a, some other word. How do you fix that? Well, you can't because you're using an abstracted layer and then you can, well, you can say, okay, that abstracted layer is open source. Now you can go a layer deep and check that abstracted layer, like the whatever library package. I don't want to name a package because I feel like it might have some negative connotation. So it's just made up. You go into that package and maybe you look at the open source code and you're like, okay, well, maybe I can fix this. Maybe I can MacGyver my way through this and be like, okay, we'll only choose the, the word, the full word instead of like the middle of a word. And then you find out in that package, they're using another package to perform an, an enhanced search on some sort of text block to find those, those three letters. So you can't even go into that package. You have to go into an, a, another dependency of another dependency of another dependency. It becomes impossible. Like I swear to you, it becomes impossible to fix it. And I'm saying a very simple example. Complex examples happen all the time where there is a, just a house of cards of dependencies and any sort of problem outside of the abstracted layer, you're screwed. What, what, you're, what you end up doing is be, because you're, again, one of the biggest problems is we have like our web developers are usually very shallow, myself included. Like I'm not saying that every, you know, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty shallow developer in the sense that I need to know too much too like too wide. So as soon as a problem arises in a, in one of those abstracted layers, you go and you like go on the GitHub and you ask for the creator's help, right? Like that's, that's the first thing you do. You don't go and try to write the code to fix it. And that's a problem because what happens if that create that the creator is no longer maintaining it? Well, now you're spending time ripping out that library and finding another library. And again, you're, you're just MacGyvering things. You're, you're, you're essentially just janking stuff together at that point. Spending Instead more time actually, messing around with what you have correct. than, than like making new. Yeah, it's building blocks. You're putting building blocks together. And great, like, yeah, you'll get you'll get something working. But like, and I and I, I consider this myself a, a flaw in myself because I use I do this a lot because I, I just I MacGyver stuff together. And then I'm like, is this really a, a, a good solution? And the reality is a lot of times, no, it's not the perfect solution. If I built it myself or if I knew the lower level code or if I understood the library, and I could fix it. And I've done that a few times now. Like I've, I've taken that advice and gone in, fixed the library, submitted a pull request and stuff like that. Like I've done the work to become a little bit deeper, still not where I want to be, but like it, it is important to understand the languages a little bit more and be able to contribute and be able to debug. Because at the end of the day, if you can't understand the lower layer and if you're using 10 different layers, you become very, very expendable too. Cause like the next guy down the street or the next guy in line, they can do the same thing. Like they can, they can MacGyver stuff together. They can put building blocks together. That's, that's the lowest level. Like that, that's the level of developer that's in the industry. So if you can do it, then this guy can do it for, you know, a hundred thousand dollars cheaper than you. And it's becoming harder and harder. What I'm, what I'm hearing and kind of like formulating in my head is that we might end up with a, might end up in a, in a sort of situation in which, the web dev industry will split into multiple industries. And we've discussed this in the past where there's multiple professions sort of pulled into running a website. Like there's literally like the guys who run the data center, they put the you know the servers on racks, they provide the power, they provide the AC and all that stuff. And then there's the cablers and I'm not going to get into every single <laughs> layer, but then there's the people that program the site, but it's like, well, hang on. Like that's too broad of a term. Now let's maybe break that down. And that's what I'm talking about is how you're not the person going into the data center, doing the cabling, doing the air conditioning, building the building. And then <laughs> you know, like, it's just starting to get kind of silly at that point. 
to me, maybe it's like maybe web development is in for a restructure, um, you know, probably not formal necessarily. Some companies will probably start start seeing productivity drop or whatever. Um, but the like that is kind of maybe where we're going towards, because when we were talking to Francesco, I had mentioned like, hey, you know, I used to work on VMs all the time. That was my job. I was a server administrator. Um, and that's that's what I did, you know, is is Docker and containerization is are they, you know, similar? And it's like, yeah, like if you know VMs, like he said something along the lines of if you know VMs, then yes, like you should be able to get into containerization slash Docker you know, relatively quickly and, and and simply. And it's like, I was thinking to myself, when I was a server admin, that's what I did. I wasn't a server admin that knew Dockerization. And then I also knew all this other stuff about websites. Isn't that kind of an interesting sort of analogy where it's like, well, hang on, we're going full circle here again. Like Mike, like the other day, we had a, uh, an, a client contact us and they were having trouble with their emails. And the, the email was set up almost a decade ago. So there was just some old stuff and I explained like you knew the basics like you were like oh you had to go into the DNS and I like explain what uh, DKIM and um, SPF was and they didn't have it set up again literally almost a decade ago so it just wasn't set up. And so I went in there and sort of set it up and did some testing and that type of thing and I had to explain that to you because you don't know that but I got that from my server background. But then when you start talking about you know a lot of the JavaScript stuff you know whether it's vanilla even whether it's vanilla through especially frameworks. I don't know what the heck, you know, you're talking about. And so, again, it's like I do feel as though, yes, we are bringing in multiple professions, but now we might be bringing in not just dabbling in each profession. We might be literally bringing in those professions and we might be getting to a point where it's it's unsustainable to have just sort of like the development team be the development team. We might have to have the server person, the the front end person the back end person, the QA person, the and this is just a I'm just spitballing. I don't know the formal roles that would eventually be made, but just sort of that sort of like breaking up of industries would make because it's not like general labor. You know how like a general laborist can lift a pallet or they can push buttons or they can adjust machines slightly or whatever. But then when something breaks, like the mechanic shows up, the general laborer doesn't go in there and go like, well, it's the PLC. Let's you know, it's, it's that's not how that works. That's not how that's not how things work like that. Yeah. And I think like, first of all, in big companies, I think there is that still that distinction, right? Like there are still server admins and there are still like DevOps people and just front end people and just back end people. Like I've been part of those kinds of teams before, too. The problem comes in those situations where like because in web development, those systems are so interconnected that if you don't have a broad enough sense of what's going on, you have these clashes in communication and then you have like a great front end that's not being taken advantage of because the back end isn't communicating with it properly and and the vice versa. And like the interconnection of all these services is becoming very, very cohesive in web development and not knowing one or the other is a detriment. To, to a certain degree, right? Like it's not, you could still work around or you could still have really good separated teams and stuff like that. But overall, it's becoming harder to do that, maintaining modern web development practices. Um, and that that's another reason like that web development is a little bit of a mess uh, because of the cohesion between all the different parts in the system. It's also why web development is great too, because like one single person, a, web, a full stack developer can do all that with a few abstraction layers. 
like the, uh, just to get into like the it's not all bad section here uh the like because the the abstraction layers are so powerful and so easy to use and because they're mostly all open source like a lot of abstraction layers are open source and the popularity of web development is like really really high because everyone's using it almost all apps are now not being built as like native apps they're being built as web apps or at least part of them are there's just a lot of the community there is building these crazy things like Vercel, like uh, you know GitHub Copilot. Well, I mean, GitHub Copilot works across them, but like Planet Scale, right? Like a, a serverless database. You have great, really great uh, database ORM schemes that almost like take advantage of your JavaScript knowledge to write database code and write schemas and databases and then migrate databases. So like now a JavaScript developer can do all that again all abstracted away. So like if shit goes, shit hits the fan, it's a problem, but it's becoming so good that that problem is happening less and less. And I can speak from experience where like as a, as a solo developer, I have built very complex systems in all these different, that use all these different spaces that are fair, that are pretty robust, that have no downtime pretty much. So it's possible to do all this now because of the abstraction layers, because of the ecosystem that, that's been generated. And it doesn't require some 10x, you know, big brain developer. I am not that in any way, shape or form. I am just a regular dude that just, you know, learns one things one at a time and is shallow in a lot of my knowledge, unfortunately, but it's enough to do what I need to do, right? Like, so it is a really cool part of web development that it's become that way, just as it is a little bit of a worrying part that we're not deep enough to be able to solve large issues, right? Like that's the, there is that give and take there. The other thing here is that framework choice is kind of good. Like, yeah, there's tons of different frameworks and that's maybe an issue. And maybe people are using frameworks out of, out of place, but because of the choice of frameworks or because of the competition, in the framework space, we get things like Svelte and get things like Astro, which are pushing for simplicity and pushing for less code being delivered to the browser. So now you have like the advantage of, you know, native JavaScript with the advantage of knowing this, these framework patterns. So yeah, if you build a static site in Astro, it'll have slightly more code than HTML, CSS. But when I say slightly, I mean like really slightly, like a few extra lines. That's not a big deal. That's easily debuggable, easily addable. Like you can go in and just change the JavaScript files or the HTML files yourself without having to go through the framework. If you really wanted to debug that like 10 years down the line developer takes it over and needs to change some text, they can do it. So these tools are being developed to be more robust in turn in term of the JavaScript ecosystem so that they're, you're not sending every piece of, you know, rendering code to the browser to render a static page, which is cool, right? Uh, and with like, there's too much to learn, yes, but because of the popularity, because there's so much to learn, because the ecosystem explodes, there's a ton of free and affordable options to learn all these things. In any different style you could possibly think of, like you're a visual learner, there's visual, like you can learn it through games. There's plenty of games being made to teach you how to code in web development, for like in JavaScript. Are you more of a hands-on learner? Well, Scrimba, like we, we talked about Scrimba at the start of the episode, like they're, uh, we have an affiliate link for them uh, and you can get in the show notes, but we, we do that because we've actually used it. Matt's learned something in Scrimba. I've, I've used Scrimba a few times. And I've, and I've recommended it to other people because you code as you learn. New, new CSS concepts are big, big for me in Scrimba. And, that, and that's not yeah. a joke. Like that was before yeah. we were um, 
you know, spo- well, not sponsored, but that, before we had yeah. the affiliate link and all that, because quite literally, there was it, I I am a visual learner, and that's why I always recommend W three schools. And people say like W three schools sucks. I like the playgrounds. That's what I'm there for. Yep. I, I need those playgrounds to see what's happening. So like that's the thing. Like because of the popularity and yeah, a little bit of jankiness in the ecosystem. There's a ton of different ways you can learn and a ton of different really good resources. So it's not all bad. Right. Like in in reality, a lot of this stuff is a problem in a lot of different industries. First of all, like web web development isn't unique in all this. Like mobile development has a lot of these same concerns. Uh, I'm sure other industries do, too. I'm not privy to them. I don't I don't do too much other 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 than mobile and web development. But this is coding in general. A lot of it is. And you you have to adapt constantly evolving. Like it's not easy. but Take advantage of some of these things. Again, if you're the abstraction can make you a better developer if you're willing to use it. I wouldn't re- only rely on abstractions. I think that's the bad way to go. And I would try to at least if you have issues, try to delve a little bit deeper than just the, the top layer, but use the abstraction layers available. Like you, it can make you faster. It can make you better. It can make a more robust service, right? Like you're, the reality is, is that a lot of these abstractions are built way better than you could custom build something. Like the security wise, accessibility wise, everything wise, like they are built to be used by a mass amount of people in a really easy way. So it's, I don't know, I, per- personally, I think it's a good thing. Abstraction. Yes, it does provide some difficulties. There's no positives without a little bit of negative. And I'm willing to take that balance. Yeah, it's good to mention that not everything's doom and gloom. You know, we, we kind of gone through the paces of like the problems of the industry for sure. But I mean... For the first, no, I guess not for the first time, but the first time for us, I suppose, um, we've been able to pass pass clients on who just straight up do not have a budget to get a professional to build them a site. And we will be able to recommend them a tool and they can hit the ground running with that tool and build it. And it does require some work, of course, but that's an, an indication that the industry is improving in some ways. Uh, you can see people, you know, that are have pretty much let's say basic computer skills be empowered and go and make a fortune literally by selling stuff online that and they just did that so you know while mike is talking about sort of the abstraction layer for the developers for the people that just want to use the web or even web developers that say are hired just to set these tools up they're something like a Shopify or like a WooCommerce even, or, you know, enter in e-commerce platform here. The abstraction is so high. It's like, it's so high that it's consumerized. It's no longer really a tool for developers. It can be, but it's meant as a product for someone to come in and do whatever they're, you know, do whatever it is they're doing. So sell whatever it is they're selling. And so like, this is, these are absolutely positive things that have happened in the industry. I do have a question for you, though, Mike, and this is this comes from sort of I, I suppose sort of like a closing note almost in a way. But I do uh, I do remember uh, you and I had a conversation about teams. So teams went down recently. It went down. It had a real bad Friday. I think it was. And then it had a real bad Saturday or something like that. Anyway, it went down recently. It was a big mess. And I think I told you and we had a discussion on I said, I don't think that these systems are simple enough for humans to manage anymore. If you realistically want these things to be up, like truly 99.9% of the time, or, you know, ideally 100, I'm wondering whether the complexity of these systems is not enough, because obviously some somebody like Teams, 
would have a whole bunch of networking uh, like alarms and notifications from logs and the list goes on and on and on. I mean, we had them in IT 10 years ago. Um, and so I'm just curious, like what your take is on that. Like it, I know that AI is sort of a hot topic and also a controversial topic these days, but certainly it's here. What do you think about is AI going to become the companion where the abstraction level layers are absolutely helping but do you think that AI is is in itself a positive note and it will become more of a major role in managing these things? Do you think that it'll actually help keep downtime down and complexities low? So, yeah, I think there's a couple questions there. So the, the first question with the Teams thing, like what what are is it manageable with something as big as Teams or whatever other system that you, you, you say? The problem with these monolith systems is the fact that first of all they're monolith and they're usually built on multiple layers of legacy code which requires multiple different deep expertise to be able to connect all those layers together right like teams wasn't built in a day it was built across years and years probably on top of stuff that Skype was using years and years and years rewritten in certain ways here and there but like the core there's probably a lot of core code that was written like 15 years ago, realistically, right? So the problem is, is that stuff, the connections, the the, the small little things. And I don't know what, what went wrong with Teams. I'm sure there's been a retrospective. Like, I'm sure there's been some information already released and I haven't looked it up. But when you have these systems that are relying on new code, it's like plenty of new code in Teams, I'm sure, that is brand new, like whether it's C-sharp, JavaScript, TypeScript, whatever. And then there's like, really old code to manage maybe some of the database connection stuff. There's a lot that can go wrong in between those things, like just tons that can go wrong. And yeah, it's be probably becoming very difficult to manage due to that. But like the op the, the option is rewrite it, which could be even harder. So like that, that's the, the balance that every corporation that manages one of these monolithic systems is, is like, when do you rewrite do you rewrite slowly and just continue to rewrite until you have something done, like a ship of Theseus style, like rewrite it's like a portion of the time? Or do you like if something works, do you leave it until it stops working? Like, you know, Windows is notorious for just leaving stuff in from Windows 95 or Windows SE. Like back in the day, there's still code in Windows that's been running for 20, 25 years that they just haven't replaced because it works. Like, can you blame them? Kind of not. But on the other hand, like it just it, it creates this really difficult product to manage from the standpoint of the developers, because like so that means that they have to interface with this code that was written 25 years ago that has no they have no idea how to rewrite themselves. They don't they can't touch that stuff. And no, no modern practices were used because it wasn't it isn't modern. Like exactly. So like, yeah, you lose a lot of that expertise as you you know, as your developers retire. So they might still have a couple of people that know that, but like, it's tough, tough to maintain. Um, but okay, so that that's one question. Like, I think a lot of it is to do with the complexity, not maybe of the modern web, but actually like the combination of the modern and the legacy web. The second question with the AI, I think 100% it's going to be 10 billion times easier to maintain these systems with an AI companion because like we just mentioned, you give the companion context for your entire stack, every piece of technology that's used to build this application, you give it context as much as you possibly can. It goes through and generates its own context based on all the documentation online. And then it knows the connections between them and how those things connect because it also has the context of your code base, 
when something goes wrong, it will have way better understanding of where it went wrong and how to fix it. Not maybe not right now. Like I don't know if the AI is enough to like diagnose a, like a complex system like Teams right now. Maybe because of like the context limitations. But for sure, in the next five years, it's going to get to the point where it will be something that people use to diagnose these very very complex monolithic applications, and it will it will it probably will take some jobs away because of that. It'll have like the foresight. Yeah. Basically, like one of the things that I'm actually excited for AI, and this is, I mean, web development related, but also not is hopefully we get to the point where we can simulate things like just curious things in history where it's like, man, what would have happened if this crazy one off thing that apparently saved like a million lives or something or ended a war or like whatever? What if that hadn't happened? Be like, well, feed it to the AI. Let's see what happens. Let's see that simulation. And so like it's obviously going to have foresight. It's going to have our history it's going to understand things and so like i mean same with programs i mean it's going to look through and be like oh there's an old piece of this what's this from this is this oh this normally suffers from this port problem okay does this port problem appear that's something that you know ai may kind of have insight into and we'll look at because how many times have we pushed something out like just developers in general and then been like damn it like i've missed the like the description, the meta description, like it's like always a small thing or like, why did it crash? Oh, I forgot to turn it on or, something, you know, something stupid like that. And like an AI would be able to go in and be like, yeah, like this isn't on, like this isn't going to, this isn't going to function. And like, this is why type thing. Fascinating and weird days ahead, I would imagine. Although I kind of feel like that maybe all, always is the case. But I think that concludes this episode. If you're interested in supporting episodes like this, you can use our Scrimba link like Mike had mentioned in the show description and or the show notes. Remember, we are also on Patreon. If you want to support us on there, that is patreon.com slash HTML, all the things. And many thanks to our $3 tier patrons, Tim from the Web Hacker on the webhacker.com, Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com, Garrett Segal, Level Up Financial Planning via www.levelupfinancialplanning.com, Fire Ant Season via fireantseason.com, and Joshua via Silvio.us. Feel free to leave a comment or review in the platform that you are listening to this on. Oh, wait, wait. I'd also like to give a shout out to Michael Araka, contributing author on the HTML All the Things website. Excuse me for almost missing that. Michael is the author of the Self-Taught, the X-Generation blog at selftaughttxg.com. Now feel free to leave a comment or review the platform you're listening to this on, and this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. On Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.